With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week's show is brought to you by the following sponsor. If you are setting up a new business or just want your existing business to grow, then SB Marketing can offer the help you need. Whether it is brand development, graphic design of adverts, flyers, posters or publications, or to assist you online with a website, email marketing or social media. SB Marketing work with clients from all over. Within Dorset, look no further than the Bear Beer family of micropubs, the White Bear and the Saxon Bear. So to find out more and see the portfolio of work and services, head to www.sbmarketing.co.nz. SB Marketing, help for your business. Ideas, design, online. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Now, at the start of the show, we just want to take a moment to pass on our sympathy to all those affected by the terrible plane crash in Colombia that, amongst others, claimed the lives of the majority of the Chapecoense football team from Brazil. Football is a world game and we are all family, so the thoughts of us here at Back of the Net... And I am sure from all fans of AFC Bournemouth are very much with all of you in Brazil at this time. So here's what's coming up on this week's Back of the Net. Michael was there watching the game and will bring us his detailed and witty match report before we'll hear the fans and media thoughts on that defeat at the Emirates. Mm, And then Sean and I will go on to have our views on the game. Was it a penalty? Should we have got something out of it? Should be an interesting chat. And if you were listening to last week's show, was the game at Dean Court? Was it at the Emirates? (laughs) Took a few minutes to work out. Now, we'll then go on to have our first in a new series called Lone Watch, where we're going to be taking a look at our cherry stars that are currently out with other clubs. So this week, he's not too far away, just down the road at Brighton, we look at Glenn Murray. 
I'll always remember once when I was young, we played Brighton at home and I thought I'd, you know, taunt the away fans with C, C, Seasiders. And then I realised what on earth I was doing. But anyway, Sean, um, I've actually got a bone to pick with you regarding your recent talk sport interview as well. So more on that later. But anyway, after that, we're going to be previewing our next game. And it gets easier, don't worry. It's only Liverpool. And is it home or away? I've heard it's at home. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> now, we'll also give you news about another computer game giveaway, which uh, we're probably going to do on next week's show. And um, I don't know if you want to win this prize. It's a, it's a football game that, put it this way, you'll resign from your job. If you're at school, you'll probably quit because all you'll want to do is try and get Russian and Diamonds into the Premier League. There's a little tip about the game. But anyway, we'll tell you more about that later on. But first of all, here's this week's Do You Remember, which isn't about a player. Do you remember this week is, do you remember the season? Okay, so this season, we finished 17th, no surprise there, seems to happen every year, with just seven home wins and five away wins. We suffered disappointing home defeats to the likes of Exeter, Plymouth and Leighton Orient. Yeah, puts Sunderland in perspective a little bit, doesn't it? On the plus side, we managed to smash those giants of football, Blackpool, by five goals to one, and Mansfield, 4-1. Those two results really stood out that season, though, as we only scored 45 league goals in total. And to put that in perspective, Bob Taylor of West Brom was top scorer in our league, with 30 on his own. We got knocked out of the FA Cup away at Blackburn, 3-1, freezing cold, open terrace, I remember that one. And on the playing side, we said hello to Adrian Pennock, a young, very blonde defender from Norwich, and goodbye and good luck to Matty Holmes as he went off to seek fame and fortune at West Ham. Never worked out for the lad. Thank you, Kevin Muscat. Other players in the squad included Chris Ledbetter, Kevin Rooster-Russell, Paul Chopperwood, and Alex Watson. Remember them? Our kit was made by match winner... And as a final clue, we were managed that season by one of our championship-winning heroes. So, that was the season, but do you remember which one? Do you remember? Do you remember? Okay, so a different do you remember this week from Rob. Not a player, but... A season and we'll give you the answer at the end of the show but he's so right about finishing 17th there was that period a where it was like every year 17th are we are we allowed to make a prediction at this point mr barker no no let's hold firm oh. hold firm okay we'll okay. do it at the end i'll see if you got it right or not now just before we go on the rest of the show, just um, it's Wednesday morning here in New Zealand. What is it? 11 a.m. So UK, what is it? Tuesday night, 10 o'clock. Yeah. There's the EFL Cup on tonight. And I'm just on the on the big screen here at Barker Towers. It's the whole uh, Newcastle game, which has gone to extra time. And there's just been a hilarious moment in the end of the first half of extra time where um, Lascelles, the player for Newcastle, he's gone to kick a... I think it was a water bottle or something off the pitch. Um, but the, uh, as the whistle's blown, he's kicked it, but he's absolutely leathered it into the first row of the whole city fans. <laughs> he stuck his hand up going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Whole fans have gone nuts. Oh, it's classic. Which Now, this reminds me, I'm going to tie this back into AFC Bournemouth. I remember we were playing away at Luton Town on a Tuesday night. I've got a feeling that was might have been a League Cup game. This must have been, oh, when would this have been? Mid, mid-90s. So there's the warm-up, and we're all chanting for Jonesy to kick us the ball. So I remember, Jonesy, give us the ball. Jonesy, Jonesy, give us the ball. So Jonesy, it's probably 30 yards from us. Beautiful, floats the ball into the crowd. We all go nuts. Now, 
bless him, Steve Fletcher, no one had said, Fletch, give us the ball. <laughs> he's decided he's going to kick it. He's absolutely leathered it, smashed a lady in the front row, square in the oh. face, and she needed medical attention, which isn't the funny part. But Fletch, not even <laughs> on him to boot it. Bless Fletcher. Anyway, there's just a little... Oh, Little tie into the game. So, yeah, still one all there. Hull, Newcastle, if anyone cares. But, yeah, bless Fletch. But anyway, Sam, uh, on with the show. What's next? Well, it's time for Michael's Match Report, where we go over AFC Bournemouth's 3-1 defeat this weekend to Arsenal at the Emirates. It's not often a football team emerges from a 3-1 defeat with a great deal of credit, but our top-tier Cherries left the Emirates Stadium in North London on Sunday with their heads held high following a performance that on a different day could have seen us gain at least a point. Untimely injuries and pedantic Premier League rules meant Eddie Howe was without at least four regular starters in the shape of Arthur Boritz, Charlie Daniels, Andrew Sermon and Jack Wilshire. The silver lining for the Bournemouth manager was that he was able to accommodate the return of Adam Smith without dropping the excellent Nathan Ackie, while Smudger's namesake Brad made his league debut for the club in place of Daniels. Arsenal hadn't won for a few weeks, and as with many opponents we face, they were viewing a meeting with Bournemouth as an opportunity to get back to winning ways. The Gunners largely had the better of the opening exchanges, with Nathan Ackie bravely blocking goal-bound attempts from Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez, whilst the rest of the Cherries' back four appeared to be staging a contest to see who could be the first to get their name in referee Mike Jones's notebook. We appeared to have weathered the early storm and looked to be taking something of a foothold in the game when after 12 minutes, disaster struck. Adam Federici played the ball along the ground to Steve Cook, and our normally titanic defender chose to return the ball to the Australian goalkeeper. With the nation watching on through the gaps between their fingers, Cook scuffed the pass, allowing a gleeful Sanchez to pounce on the loose ball and finish easily past the stranded Federici. Last season, our heroes in red and black would have folded after conceding such an early and shambolic goal at a big club, but there were signs that doubts that we belong in the Premier League are evaporating as we continued to pass the ball out from back to front after going a goal down, with much of the game being played in the home team's half. This positive play reaped rewards on 23 minutes when Bournemouth were awarded a penalty. As Arsenal attempted to clear their lines, the ball ricocheted off Dan Gosling's knee into the path of Callum Wilson, who had got in front of Nacho Monreal. The Spaniard then clumsily ran into the breaking goal machine, who then miraculously refound his pace upon seeing Jones point to the spot, grabbing the ball and finishing calmly past Petr Cech to send the travelling Cherries fans in the far corner of the stadium into delirium upon seeing our first ever strike against the Gunners in any competition. Our tails were now up, and with Arsenal suddenly on the back foot, a couple of gilt-edged chances went begging. First, Adam Smith couldn't quite get over the ball to take advantage of a free header from six yards, which sailed inches above Czech's crossbar. Then Brad Smith received the ball from Josh King on the angle of the Arsenal goal, but chose to shoot at the near post when a simple ball to the screaming Callum Wilson across the goal would have seen us take a deserved lead into half-time. Bournemouth continued to compete at the start of the second half, but just as our thoughts were turning to the possibility of another famous victory, Arsenal retook the lead. A half-cleared cross from Monreal, who sent the ball back across the goal. The Cherries have always prided themselves on being a family club, and upon learning of the birth of Theo Walcott's second son, decided to do something special for the little lad, giving his father the freedom of the penalty area to head home from six yards. Still our heads did not drop, as we continued to go toe-to-toe with Arsene Wenger's side. Monreal was lucky not to concede a second penalty after Simon Francis clipped the ball in the direction of Adam Smith and it hit the Arsenal fullback's raised right arm. Referee Jones waved the appeals of the Bournemouth players away, although not before he had shown the yellow card to Harry Arter, apparently ignorant of the fact that our Irish international does not cope well with perceived injustice whilst on the football pitch. Benikafobe replaced goalscorer Wilson and was unlucky not to open his account for the season when he reacted quickly to Simon Francis' near-post header, only to see Petacek make the save of the afternoon from close range. Lise Mousset, who had come on for a rusty-looking Brad Smith as Eddie pushed for an equaliser, headed well wide from Adam Smith's cross when, although the ball was slightly behind him, he should have at least hit the target. With the Cherries throwing the kitchen sink in search of an equaliser, enormous gaps were opening up in our half, and just as the fourth official was holding up the board to indicate five minutes of injury time, Arsenal broke out of their half and exploited this space to secure the points with a third goal. 
Olivier Giroud and Ozil combined down the right as Bournemouth desperately tried to get back into position, but the German World Cup winner had plenty of time to square the ball to Sanchez, who finished with ease, although Simon Francis might be asking himself why he was unable to get closer to the Chilean. The game was now up, and although you get nothing for coming second, a competitive performance on a big stage leaves Eddie Howe with selection dilemmas for the meeting with Liverpool, almost all of which are for the right reasons. Thank you very much to Michael Dunn for his concise match report from the weekend at the Emirates where Bournemouth went down 3-1 to Arsenal. And remember, you can follow Michael on Twitter at all departments. Now, coming up, it's the fans and the media thoughts, and we usually accompany it with a topical song. And we had a, a couple of suggestions, and I'm just trying to decide which side of the fence I should sit here, because Nobby Dog came up with Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears for You Know Who. Um, Red and Black Exile was a bit more direct. Song for Steve Cook this week, Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word. But we've had a few days to calm down, so this week we're going with AFC be dad on Twitter with Don't Look Back in Anger. I must admit, it really was tempting, Nobby Dog. Hey guys, Ross Devonport here from sunny Deerfield Beach, Florida. Slightly flattering result for the Gunners, I think. Encouraging performance from us, but uh, especially as we were missing four regular starters. Um, Federici didn't make a save. That says a lot, I think, about the result. Um, Arder and Ake were immense, I think. Ake needs to stay in the, in the starting 11 for sure. Um, Brad Smith, decent, capable replacement for Charlie, although I think Charlie should come right back into the team when he's fit again. Uh, Adam Smith on the wing. I know we've tried that before a couple of years ago. It seemed to work well. He did. I'm okay with it. Not very exciting, but... Um, he did. He did enough today. Um, as for Cook, you just have to take the bad with the good. I think with him, you know, for every crucial mistake the big man makes, he seems to make up for it later on with his performance. Another solid performance again, other than obviously the back pass. Um, the penalty we got was slightly questionable, but I think there was a couple of other no calls in the box that could have gone our way, so I was okay with it in the end. Um, the handball decision, the no call, I should say, on Monreal, I was okay with that as well. He was very close to the ball when he was kicked, so I give the benefit of the doubt to the ref there. Summary against the top six team like this, you, know, you really can't make stupid mistakes and or not take any of the half chances you get. The Cherries failed in both of those departments today and we paid for it in the end. Still, overall, feeling okay with the result. Hopefully we can take the positives into Liverpool next week, get at least a point at home there, and then a couple of winnable fixtures coming up after that. Cheers. Did I feel like we should have lost? No, of course not. Uh, I feel like we could have got a point away from that game, but unfortunately the result did not come. It was a good good game, played very well. Nathan Ecker, as I say, my man of the match once again. Definitely one for the starting lineup after those last two games. Absolutely incredible. I feel like if, if we weren't playing enough pressure, the goals were going in, we could have got a draw out there. But Arsenal are a very difficult side. For long periods, Bournemouth have played very, very well. They are a good team, though. I mean, yeah. everybody's coming up and they're saying, oh, but they are, why are people surprised? They are a good team. They they play football and, you know, they got a very good victory away from home in their last game against Stoke, which we all know is a very hard place to go to. They are a good team. It caused us a lot of problems. And mm. I could see the problems happening before the penalty, before they got the penalty, whether it's a penalty or not. Yeah, what did you make of it? Do you think it was a penalty? Ooh. Looked at, I think it was a bit clumsy from Monreal. It looked like a bit clumsy, but mind you, my eyes are worse than Doc Cotton. So. <laughs> As we said, I said on Wednesday, they're not a bad side bomb off. I think no, people are being a little bit disrespectful. Yeah. They play some good, good play. Um, of course, they're not going to have great strikers like uh, the top mm. teams because you know eleven thousand at home, they're not going to get that. But for what they what they've got and the budget they've got, you know that was an impressive performance. No, from they're them a today. very impressive team, definitely. Um, I think Bournemouth not going to be a team looking at relegation, from what I can see. They, they, I, I actually think that they can finish higher than mid table. They're a good team, yeah, without a doubt. And I also mm. think that um, they opened us up a few times today with some good play. And that was without Jack Wilshere. You know, mm. they've had to change their, their um, game plan a little bit. 
but you know, give give teams credit. This was never going to be an easy game today. Yeah, I feel it was a flattering scoreline for Arsenal. I feel they com- competed all over the field. And especially going forward, I thought Arta was dictating the play in the middle of the park and out wide they, they showed a lot of rotation and caused Arsenal a lot of problems. Yeah, and they caused themselves some problems as well. That's well, maybe one of the problems. Well, listen, Eddie Howe loves to play out from the back. Uh, and you just look at Cook when the ball is... Federici rolls it out to the central defender. And for me, he's got time and space and he doesn't need to do what he does. Those are the fan thoughts then from our 3-1 defeat at the Emirates. And a big thank you to Ross Devonport. We had Matt from AFCB TV. Um, Arsenal Fan TV produced Lee, Robbie and Bully. Some great opinions there. And also some very complimentary thoughts about the Cherries. And also we had Trevor Sinclair from Match of the Day. And thanks, Ross. That's the first time Ross has ever um, audibly been on the show. And on Twitter, Ross has given us a lot of stick about uh, the way we pronounced Valencia because we were trying to Mm. say it in the local, you know, language. And I get a lot of stick about my accent, but I just need a reference Was it? He started off very American, but then towards the end seemed to come back to being English. (laughs) People with these funny accents, eh? Yeah, we may um, we may have another piece actually, Sean, later on that may take you by surprise. Where I may be actually, let's not talk about it now, but let's talk about the lineup <laughs> oh, on man. Sunday at the Emirates. Um, Charlie Daniels being out that was a, a bit of a shock. Didn't expect that, but Brad Smith came in, um, made sense. But then Adam Smith was named as well, which put a lot of people on Twitter at least in a bit of a quandary with what was going to happen. Chris Temple came up and said, "Well." Adam Smith's playing in right midfield and it turned out to be the case so it was almost a 4-4-1-1 formation but what were your thoughts? Yeah it was I mean it's it's not a new formation for Smudge is it I mean when um, especially you know in the championship days there was often where Richie would come off and Smith would come on in that position so in that respect it wasn't totally alien yeah I guess you know if you're Jordan Ibe or, you know, your Fraser, are you looking at that going, oh man, why is, why is the defender getting ahead of me now? But, you know, horses for courses, as they say. Yeah, that's right. So the game started and we didn't start brilliantly. I remember Ozil having a chance very early on and Nathan Ake um, started as he left off with that really good block. But um, Arsenal really did look in control, didn't they? And uh, it wasn't long before they started jinking around and Steve Cook got booked. I think Frano got booked. But uh, as I said on YouTube, I don't know if you've seen our YouTube channel. The tweet that I really loved was from, was from Mike Brannan, who said, the lady stood in front of me has got toilet paper hanging down from her trousers. Should I say something? Mike, you should have taken a photo. That should have what been what was happening. But, um, oh, mate, Steve Cook, the Sanchez goal. Oh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, it takes me back, Sam, to that opening day of the season. I was in England. It was glorious sunshine. There's me and you in Dean Court. We're in the North Stand. We're playing Man United. And we're just starting to get a little foothold in the game. And then Frano did that under-hit back pass. And Mata got in and scored. And it was, here we go again, under-hit back pass from Cookie. No fault at Federici, other than... The moment that the pass was under hit, I think he had an opportunity to come out a bit earlier than he did. He did actually hesitate and step back and then came out, which just gave Sanchez too much time. But that was my only thing. But one of those things, it's not like Cookie can really train to hit it a bit harder. Although I noticed every back pass he did after that, he definitely made sure it was a back pass. But it was just one of those frustrating elements where when you're playing against the top sides tactically you need to be spot on um, and your fitness levels and that needs to be spot on you need a little bit of luck and just everything needs to go right you know and it was just it was frustrating because I felt like we were 
holding a pretty good shape and you know we were kind of controlling as much as we could our situation and then you do something like that and twitter's a horrible place to be around if you look at your timeline you see people kicking off oh yeah it's yet another mistake and i went with a safe option on the song choice as you can see but i didn't want to be playing britney spears oops i did it again because you know there are so many defensive faults at clubs around the country you know every goal is from a defensive fault usually unless it's a, a worldie but um anyway let's 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 not gloss talk over that. We'll kind of gloss over that a little bit. Uh, the game got better for Bournemouth. We started to get a foothold, and then then came the penalty. Um, the Arsenal fans were in uproar, and I wasn't sure whether it was the decision itself or whether it was the way Frano won the ball off their left midfielder at the time. But in any case, the referee gave it. Was it a pen? I don't think it was. I don't. I don't think. I. I don't know. It comes back, and we've had this conversation before, and you have it around, you know, well, in the modern game, it's a penalty, you know, because if the striker can get in front of a defender, then that's clever. I think Martin Keown was it on commentary, was saying it was clever work by Wilson to get in front of the, the defender. You know, let's be realistic here. He's kind of, he's flung himself towards the defender. He's hit him and he's gone down. For me, it's not a penalty. Watching the replay back, the lady in the front row, the Arsenal fan, who was right in front of the situation, she thought it was a penalty. Mm. He dispatched it well, though, Callum. And what really oh, annoyed you me was... He dispatched... Hang on. He dispatched it well. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think he... I, I do think he gave him the eyes. And then he, <laughs> he kind of did that Robbie Fowlerish last minute to see, you know, where he saw him going one way. I mean, yeah, if Czech had gone the other side, it would be absolutely appalling. But these days, penalty takers are savvy. It's, it's such a quick decision they're making. And they're literally shaping their body, and then all of a sudden, last minute, and I don't know. I think he, I think he did him with the eyes. That's that's my opinion anyway. I, I but it was a goal. It was I a reckon goal. you'll be very genuine. I reckon the good goals <laughs> are the, you know, with uh, Lampard or Gerrard where they used to absolutely leather it. And it just, you know, skims the post on the way in, or you know, that's a good penalty. Or um, me doing the, you know, ten spins at half time of Dean Court <laughs> in the United game and. Whatever. smashing it in the roof of the net. How was your penalty, Sammy? Uh, went wide, eh? Yeah, so... Uh, did, you after... do, did you do <laughs> Terry Bear with your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what really annoyed me, actually, was on, on Sky. Um, after the Arsenal goal, they panned to Jack Wilshere in the crowd and it shows him uh, we're sat next to Danny Welbeck and Danny Welbeck's prodding him and trying to get a reaction. Wilshere's there with a cap on, head down, doesn't show any reaction at all. But after the Bournemouth goal, it didn't pan to him and I really wanted them to. And especially because there was that camera person we talked about whose job was just <laughs> to be on Jack Wilshere for the whole game. A, a good choice of hat, I think. Um, yeah, was um, a good bit of sensibility, I think, from Jack. Thank you. We did have a couple of chances before half-time. Brad Smith tried to do check with the eyes again, and I thought he was going to smash it across goal. Wilson was running at the far post, but he tried to do him at the near post, and in hindsight, it it wasn't the right decision, but oh, it could have been so different. Now, as a striker, there's nothing more infuriating than seeing somebody whose job is not to score goals wasting a glorious opportunity. Like, he's gone through... If it's if it was King or Wilson or whatever in that position, I don't have such an issue with them having a shot because it's their job to score goals and that's their instinct. But man, just I guess he was probably excited. He's on debut. I mean, if he'd have smashed it in, great. But man, just roll it across the gold of the guy whose job it is to score. That I, I yeah, it's a bugbear of mine. Different players have different roles within the team, right? So you give it to your midfielder to make those great passes. In and around the box, give it to the guy whose job it is to score. And it, Wilson would have tucked that away. And then Adam Smith with the header. I mean, he couldn't, that, that, that one, he couldn't pass it to anyone else. But he should be sticking that header away, do you not think? I th- uh, you say that I d- it came in relatively quickly I don't think that was the original intention I think his body was shaped in a way which made it very difficult to get pa- someone who's good at heading I'd say Wayne Rooney for all his um, sort of uh, mistakes and for all his errors that he has mi- has been making recently with the head I think he is a superb striker the amount of goals for England where he's had to create his own power on the header um 
Adam Smith, I don't think, is a particularly good header of the ball. I think any other striker would have probably at least got on, uh, got on target, but I don't think it was particularly easy. Um, I can, he hit it, you know, slap bang in the middle of his forehead, and it was it was always going to go over, unfortunately. But that, you know, that that was a great chance. Uh, Sanchez then rattled the bar just before half time for Arsenal, but felt quite positive at halftime. I thought, you know, we could take it to Arsenal. But then on 53 minutes, Walcott headed home. I don't think really you can lay the blame anywhere there, can you? I thought it was actually a good header, by the way. Good technique. He's a little guy. He got up well. Um, showed Adam Smith how to do it, really. Yeah, he did. I mean, Sanchez's footwork, firstly, was incredible. I mean, I felt sorry for Brad Smith there, really, because... I mean, it's just an absolute wizard, and you've you've got to admire eh? Arsenal's technical ability of their players are just incredible in and around the box, the speed of them, the way that he just made the space and got the cross in. Uh, I, I still have a lingering issue with with that goal that it's somebody that's free in the box, and I still think a lot of the goals that we concede come from us giving players far too much space. So Aki's covering. Walcott, he's come out and he's made that header which has flicked over to Montreal. But his instinct has then been to kind of go forward before getting back. So he's totally lost his man. If you watch it back, Gosling, I think, actually could have seen that Aki was out of position and I think he maybe could have gone back in to cover Walcott. It's just, you know, there's lots of... I think we give too many chances, whether a goal or a chance, to players that are free in the box where just for that split second, I think we just lose our shape maybe a bit too much mm, but the Emirates came alive after that it was it was a different atmosphere I mean it's got this reputation for being a library and in the first half it's, at times you could hear a pin drop but it really came alive uh Benekfobe came off for Callum it seems to be a standard thing week in week out Wilson plays two-thirds Bennett comes on for a third he had, he had a great chance um I came on for Stanislas um penalties uh, we were awarded one in the first half. Should have we got one in the second? I say yes. That was a handball. Monreal handballed it. I know it was relatively near to him, but I think the referee should have given it, Sean. Yeah, I, I'm still confused by the rule, though, because the rule changes so many times. And the commentators were kind of saying, well, there was no intent. So he didn't have any intent to handle it because it was so quick. But then I also hear that if your arm's in a in an unnatural position when the ball strikes your hand, well, then it's a penalty. So it was unnatural because it was away from his side. So does that mean it's a penalty or I don't, we need Howard Webb. We need a, we need a, a former professional referee or maybe a local referee in Bournemouth to come on the show for these kind of decisions. Don't we? Cause I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know. It's conf- It's too confusing. It is. It is. There, there wasn't, apart from that phobe chance, I don't really think there was um, There was much else really. I mean, Musay had a kind of header towards the end of the game, but Arsenal then finished it off 3-1. We don't even want to talk about that goal, to be honest. It's quite interesting seeing a lot of Arsenal's fans about us on our own YouTube channel. We had a comment because um, we asked people in the video to ask, we asked Arsenal fans to comment about what they thought about us. Um, a guy called Karim sent us a message saying, I believe AFC Ball to play better than Arsenal and looked as if they were playing at home with a lot of confidence I think the final score is not a fair reflection and you should have got at least a point well done for the performance you belong to the Premier League and I think you'll finish in the top 10 which is brilliant yes that's that's a really nice comment um let's just talk about the individuals briefly Brad Smith who came in do you think he did enough to keep his place or would you be sticking Charlie Daniels right back in there I don't know. I, I was, re- again, reading online. Um, I think Tom Jordan on his blog was saying about how, you know, you can't lose sight of the fact it was his first proper start in the league. It's away at the Emirates. He's got Walcott and Sanchez and that on him. You know, so, I mean, he got into that great position for the for the the chance. And, yes, I don't think he made the right decision, but still great to see him in that space. His touch let him down a couple of times, which it did actually in the Valencia friendly when we watched Um <laughs> I noticed that he did that, but I don't know. Did he do enough? Does he need another one to settle in? I don't know. Bit bit tough, I guess, for that. Did Adam Smith do enough? Or will we see a change of that? I mean, we're going to be coming up against, we'll talk about it later, but Liverpool, who again are probably going to be quite attacking on us. 
yeah, so that's quite a tough one. Do, I mean, do you think uh, surely Wilshire though has to come straight back in? Yeah, I think so. Um, Nathan Nake, I think, has had two great games, and there, that's beyond dispute. I'd say that he's got to he's got to go in. He'll probably go back to being central defence. Now, interestingly, later on in the game, this was when everything was being shuffled around. Musay came on, and then Adam Smith went to left back. Not sure if he can play that, but I would actually be happy with Adam Smith left back and then having Ake and Cook in the middle and then having Frano on the right. And then that way in the middle we can have... Anyway, we're, this is too much of a preview, but then we could have Gosling, uh, Arter and Wilshire. But who knows? It's It's a very interesting one. But overall... Arsenal probably deserved it in the end. I put a tweet out at halftime saying, I just hope it's not one of those performances where people go away saying Bournemouth had a great, you know, a great game, but didn't get the points. And it just turned out to be that case again. It it did, but not in a... I didn't think we were like the plucky side that, that battled and kind of deserved to get something. I think that's the difference. Last year, we had a lot of those games where it was, that was the comment, wasn't it? Oh, you played mm. so well, you know, but you didn't get any points. Whereas, um, you know, you don't hear where if, you know, I don't know, uh, Arsenal playing Chelsea and they just lose. Oh, Arsenal plays so well. You know, it's that different mentality. And I think that's the test was how do we go against the big sides? And against Spurs, we played really well, got a point. Against Arsenal, I think we played exceptionally well. And yeah, in that, that second, I was, I was chatting to an Arsenal fan here in New Zealand and he was praising the side. And he was like, man, you were playing like... Arsenal football better than Arsenal for a period in that second half mm. and I mean the possession was you know at one point I think was 65% to us at one point for 15 or yeah. 20 minutes of the game or I mean the confidence of the guys and the way that um, I think we have developed and improved from last season it's probably only little things that they're all starting to add up to mean that we go to places like the Emirates and yeah we we don't have those periods of games where we're getting absolutely battered and it's like man this is going to be four or five or six you know and I guess that was for me was the biggest thing to come out of that we're frustrated we didn't get anything out of the game against a side like Arsenal Mm, our time will come Sean our time will come well it wasn't a good result for Bournemouth on Sunday then but there was a good result for a kind of cherry at the weekend as one of our Lonies scored in another win for his side as they look to earn promotion and join us in the Premier League, eh, Sean? Yeah, so here we go with our new feature, and it is Lone Watch. Chris Wood with Wilkin for reinforcements. They come in the shape of Glenn Murray. Pulls it across, Bennett, left right footed, it's Murray again! in front of Elliot Bennett he just can't stop scoring at the moment was it into Murray and there it is well Glenn you may well be right that's the hat-trick for Glenn Murray he's in a rich moment of form he has the hat-trick he has the match ball three goals which you feel was the pick of them really uh, definitely the first I think the, the, the second two were a little bit scuffed but they ended up in the back of the net the keeper tries to take on Murray he slips and Murray tucks it in Skalak takes a touch cuts it in back post in there goes Murray Sensational finish from Glenn Murray. Yet again, it's Murray. He's on a hat-trick. Through on goal, right-footed. And he has done it! Glenn Murray with a cool finish this time. Completes a wonderful hat-trick. No, it was a great afternoon. Um, obviously, it was a full house and uh, felt a bit of pressure to uh, to perform. And, uh, and luckily, it all came together on the afternoon. So Glenn Murray seems to be quite a hit at Brighton this season, scoring 11 goals in 16 league appearances. And when you look at it, his goal-scoring stats aren't half bad. Bournemouth, six appearances, three goals. Reading, 18 appearances, eight goals. Crystal Palace, 81, scored 44. Brighton, 101 appearances and scored 53. Even back as far as 2007, played 40 for Rochdale and scored 21. So he scores a goal every two games, but this season he's certainly doing it for the Seagulls. And we caught up with Tom Highlands, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Tom Highlands, to see what his opinion was on Mr Murray. Hi, my name's Tom, and I'm a Brighton fan. Um, 
just quickly want to say thank you for loaning us Glenn Murray this season. Um, he's been an absolute revelation in a position that we struggled with for a couple of years um, and is just a fantastic part of our first eleven. He's very much number one um, in the striking position for us this season. Um, he's been fantastic from the start. He's slipped into the team nicely and is building a good partnership with um, our other striker, uh, Sam Baldock. He's scoring goals for fun. He's feeding off our uh, wide men, um, so Anthony Knockart, Jamie Murphy, um, all players with some uh, fantastic ability to put a good ball into the box, and that's what Murray feeds off. Um, So, all in all, just a fantastic um, loan for us this year. Um, I think he's the one that potentially can fire us into the Premier League to join Bournemouth um, next season. I think if we did go up and we were lucky enough to get promoted, um, he could cut it in the Premier League. But in order to do that, he needs a good run of games. I think over the last couple of seasons, he hasn't been given the chance uh, as a starter. And I think that's what Murray needs. Um, He's scoring goals nearly every week, all at home for us at the moment. Um, And just looks a lot fitter when he's been given a run of games Um, so given that I think it would be nice if he could play in the Premier League again hopefully with Brighton Um, but obviously a permanent sign-in for me Um, I would like him to to sign but only at the right price. So thank you very much to Tom Highlands, Brighton fan, avid Seagulls supporter, home and away. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Highlands. And we certainly wish Brighton and Hove Albion all the best this season. Brighton's always good for an away day. So we certainly hope they're going to join us in the Premier League next year. We're going to stave off relegation, right? I'm sure we will. Brighton, of course, are sitting two points at the moment behind Newcastle. They're on 38 with Newcastle on 40, so they're in a very good position to do so. But as long as Glenn Murray keeps banging in the goals like he is doing, they've got a damn good chance. So next week, we're going to be taking a look at Bailey Cargill, and he's on loan at Gillingham. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. So it's great to see Glenn Murray still banging in the goals at the Amex. But before me and Sean chat about it, Sean, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with you. Um, let's let's go back a few days, uh, specifically Friday night on Talksport. Uh, it's time now to speak to our blogger this week or tonight. He's the host of Back of the Net. Of course, he's an AFC Bournemouth fan, and he joins us now. Good morning, Sean Barker. Hi, Hi Sean. Sean. Hello, boys. How are you? Yeah. Now you're in New Zealand, is that right, Sean? I am, mate. So it's good afternoon. One one thirty in the afternoon uh, down here. Good afternoon. I'm trying to work out your accent because it sounds English, but there's like a a, a twinge of of New Zealand ish in it. I, I get a lot of stick, eh? I've been in nine years, so... OK, and the interview goes on. Great exposure for Back of the Net, Sean, so I've got to congratulate you on that. But at the end of the interview... Well, just take a listen. Uh, Sean, thank you for coming on. Real pleasure speaking to you. I'm sure the first of many chats on our show. Look forward to it. Enjoy the rest of your night, boys. Thanks, pal. You too. Cheers, pal. There you go, Sean Barker, as I mentioned, the host of Back of the Net, the Bournemouth podcast. Host? Host? Host singular? Did you tell him to say that? What about me? I'm a host, a co-host. You're one of the hosts, plural. I can't believe you. <laughs> oh, Sam, look, I, I didn't put words in their mouth. I mean, they, they've obviously listened to the show and that's what they've deduced. They obviously, I don't know, maybe they just thought you were just some, I don't know, work experience kid maybe or something like that, you know? And what's what's really, what's it's like there's nails being put in my coffin because... Another thing happened in the week where a certain Mr. Barker got a follower from an AFC Bournemouth star of the future. Well, he's played at the Vitality this season, Mr. Ollie Harfield. I didn't get a follow. Again, I mean, the the people speak for themselves. I mean, if if professional footballers at AFC Bournemouth, uh, uh, you know, want to follow the host of the show, then, you know, <laughs> that's their, their decision, eh? So, um, Ollie, come on the show. Come on the show um, don't worry about Sam. He, he he doesn't need to be around. Oh, 
Cheers, Sean. You're lovely. You're lovely, you are. Well, just going back to Glenn Murray there, uh, it sounds like he's doing amazing at Brighton and he scored at the weekend. And yeah, he scored 11 goals this season. He's he's a goal machine for him. And as Tom said in our piece there, they couldn't do without him. He's formed a really great partnership with Sam Baldock. But, you know, it'd be great to have him at Bournemouth if he was in that form. But does he fit into our system, Sean? I think that's the problem we still have like when when Glenn was playing for us I mean he, you know we will never forget that goal he got at Chelsea but there's the, the there was still the movement issue wasn't it when you watch Wilson play he gives us so much in terms of probing those those balls in the channel that sometimes we do where the midfield and defense are all sat deep and we need an out and the out is to hit the channel and you know Wilson's going to make that run which when we had Murray up the top on his own um, it just didn't quite work out, did it? And we never really played, you know, with the big guy and little guy in terms of Murray playing up front with someone else. So uh, as much as his goals are going in and you could argue that we need to score more goals, yeah, I just don't know whether he would fit in. I just don't think we're that kind of team, which is why it was, I don't know, I always felt it was a slightly odd signing in that regard anyway, unless he was to just be used off the bench or whatever else when we need to bomb it forward. But we don't really play that way. So I don't know. I think he seems like a lovely fella. I think his future is elsewhere and I wouldn't be surprised at all if um, he signed with them at the end. Mm, yeah, well, as as Tom said, it all depends on the price, doesn't it? Uh, would we have him? I don't know. But anyway, that is a subject for another day. Now, as you may have heard on the podcast before, on our website, we are showing off 10 of the best retro cherries shirts from yesteryear. And at afcbpodcast.com forward slash retro, you can vote for your top three. When the poll is closed... We'll be collating the results. I'll be using my abacus and we'll be passing the winners over to the club. And who knows, you may well be seeing one or more of these shirts hitting the AFCB Superstore very soon. Yeah, that's right. It was uh, Gareth Davies, who's a writer for the programme and a kit nerd. He had got in contact with us and also with the guys at the club shop and the media and communications department. So the club really are wanting to have this information because they want to look to do some new shirts. And um, what a great way to do it other than giving the fans the opportunity to vote. So, yeah, there are 10 classic shirts on there. So we're completely impartial. So I'm not going to give you my favourite. Um, so, you know, you can make your own mind up. But well done to Lauren Chapman, who I uh, saw she posted to say that she'd made her vote. And uh, I think she'd chosen very wisely. This is Steve Jones and you're listening to Back of the Net. Well, AFC Bournemouth entertain Liverpool at the Vitality Stadium on Sunday. Now, that's what I've read. I've researched this. I was going to accompany this to the tune of Home and Away, but I've decided not to. We are definitely going to be at the Vitality Stadium against a Liverpool side that currently sits second in the league, a point behind Chelsea, looking very strong in their last Premier League match they dispatched of Sunderland 2-0. And they did play in the week as well. Now, they've played uh, only tonight, actually. So yesterday for you, if you're listening on a Wednesday, they beat Leeds United 2-0 at Anfield. And uh, the youngest ever scorer for Liverpool at the age of, what, 17 and a few days or something, Sean, is it? Yeah, Ben Woodburn has taken Michael Owen's record. He's yeah, 17 years and 45 days old. He scored the second goal in a 2-0 win against the Unano Kane Leeds United team, although he went off after 28 minutes through to injury. But um, yeah, so he's um, the next Michael Owen, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Now, Liverpool actually made seven changes from their match against Sunderland. So you can imagine uh, those seven are going to be coming in. Well, all of them, barring Coutinho, who's um, suffered a little bit of an injury, uh, he's not going to be in action. Now, he's actually out, I believe, until the new year now. Um, he's he's not looking good. I'm not actually too sure what the injury is, but uh, let me just have a look now. Yeah, he's going to be out with an ankle injury. So he was actually taken off on a stretcher earlier on. Um, was it? The, yeah, early in the first half, Didier Ndong, they had a bit of a clash. And then, unfortunately, for 
for Liverpool, Coutinho, who I think is a major player for them, is going to be out. But, you know, that's good news for Bournemouth, I would say. And Sean, you probably don't get this now, but it's a match at home against a big club. I struggle enough to get tickets. So, of course... The texts start coming in. The texts start coming in. And I've got this real conversation that I had with someone. They start off like saying, hi, Sam, long time no see. How's things going? How's the web work going? All this kind of bants. And then they cut to the chase saying, oh, yeah, don't suppose you can get a couple of tickets for the match against Liverpool on Sunday, can you? <laughs> and it's it's one of those matches where you do get the plastics and the JCLs wanting to attend. But uh, it's a big pull, isn't it? It's a massive game. Well, for Liverpool as well, they want to have their momentum. But Bournemouth again with another difficult match, the second in a row. How are we going to fare? Well, firstly, what are we going to do with the team? Now, Feds, I don't know if he's going to start and be back in. It all depends on whether Artur Boric is back. I think Federici has done enough to um, to play again. I don't think Boric should automatically start, do you think? No, I was thinking about this one, and um, I would actually continue with Federici. I don't think he put a foot wrong, really, uh, against... Arsenal and in the game before I think he did really well um, with Stokes so in that respect yeah I'd be surprised I just we talked about the fact that Eddie's got a difficult job of managing players and a squad of which I think there are so many players that could be starters so I kind of feel like if you come in and you've done well, then for me, really, unless there's a real tactical reason why you're being switched, I think you would continue. So I would I would expect Feds. Um, it looks like you talked about earlier that Aki's kind of come in and gone, right, I'm one of the centre-backs now. Steve Cook, I don't think, is going to get budged for a while. So, yeah, for France's, it's, it's like... Okay, you're a right back now, and now you're competing against Adam Smith to be a starting right back. So that's an, I think, will be an interesting tussle because um, I think Smith has been playing really well in that right back position. So, yeah, I think Frano um, could be in for a bit of a challenge there. At left back, yeah, that's another one. If Daniel's fit, I don't know. I think if Daniel's fit, I would still probably say Daniel's is to come back in. Would probably be my pick. Um, yeah, for the back four and well, plus the goalkeeper. Mm. I think it's actually great that um, Eddie is now starting. I mean, players like Nathan Ake um, and Feds, it's great that they are being used again. I think there was a, a stage at one point where Eddie was maybe guilty of just being loyal to the players that he's always been using. And it's it's good. And it, it I think it sends out a message to the rest of the squad. If you come in and you do a good job, there's a great chance that you're going to keep your place. And that it surely is going to happen with Ake. Yeah, although you then move further up the field and um, to kind of contradict that potentially, uh, for me, Jack Wilshere walks straight back into the team, having been <laughs> forced to sit out the game against Arsenal. I think I think he's just too important for us now in the way that we're playing and that position, I think King, King played, um, yeah, I think King did well against Arsenal, but he's no Jack Wilshere in that position. So I would still expect Wilshere to come in and I'd probably say it's at the expense of Adam Smith on the right-hand side, I think, to accommodate him mm. with King going back out wide. Um, if Sermon's fit, does he come in for Gosling? Or I mean, what do you... The Gosling one's interesting. He's, he's a player that I think oh. goes under the radar at times. Very much so. Um, but then you could also argue there's times when Sermon kind of did a job without us really noticing... I think mm. there was, for me, there seemed to be like an over-reliance sometimes on giving the ball to Sermon and Sermon being this kind of passing chain that I don't think Gosling is as much because I don't think Gosling's necessarily as good on the ball as Sermon. He's pretty bouncy with his touch, eh? You notice it kind of bounces off him a little bit, but, mm. but works really hard. So uh, by playing Gosling, does that mean we put the onus more on getting the ball through Arta and Wilshire in the middle? potentially which could be a good thing so i don't know i mean do you okay so sermon sermon's 100 fit happy to play do you sammy davis as manager of afc bournemouth in the premier league do you run with gosling or does sermon come back in mm, very difficult one I, I think i'm going to throw a spanner in the works i don't think it's just those two because it could be 
Sermon, Gosling or Smith because he could go the same formation as he did against Arsenal. So I'm talking Smith on the right-hand side and then you've got Stanislas on the left and then King just playing in front. Oh, I don't know, Sean. It's, it's such a quandary. But if I had to make a choice out of Sermon and Gosling, I don't think Gosling has put a foot wrong and he's he does get about a bit and I do like that um I think he compliments Harry Arter relatively well and there were stages during uh, about a 15 minute spell at the Emirates where we had complete control and we were out arsenaling Arsenal so I don't think he's done anything wrong and uh I do think he should start yeah fair enough so interesting yeah with King if King stayed there then that means Wilshire has to what sit a bit deeper as well. oh i don't know i think you've made a mess on the on the blackboard there sam there's pen everywhere you... there's arrows all over the park there there could well be 12 players in my chosen <laughs> side i'm not i'm not actually sure i need to write it down where's my little etcher sketch but uh in terms of a score line it's quite a difficult one to to go about because Liverpool are so strong at the moment. Coutinho is a massive player for them, but they've got players that can come in and do an excellent. I mean, Mane has been playing really well for them. He's, he's slotted in superbly. I don't know if Lallana's, uh, you know, Lallana's out. Is he still, um, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, so those are two sort of big misses, but even players like Firmino and, oh, Sturridge can, can do a thing on us. And he, and he has done for, you know, for quite a few seasons now, when we've been playing him in the Cups and also in the league. Oh. My mother-in-law is a Liverpool fan and it's horrible because I get this patronising text every time. She's lovely about it. She's lovely, but it's like, you know, well done, you cherries. You put in a good performance. And I just feel like saying, well, no, actually, let's not say what I think about it. I, I would like to think we can get something out of it, Sean. So... My prediction is Bournemouth 2, Liverpool 2. Oh, wow. Wee. I've said it. Wow. Okay, it. goal scoring. Um, for me, I did play the game on EA Sports game FIFA 17 on world class level. Got totally dominated by Liverpool. However, scraped mm. a nil-nil. I don't think I had a shot on target the whole game. Their pressing was very impressive. Um, so that was that result. Um, if I was to go according to the game, um, I yeah, I can see us huffing and puffing. But again, I just worry the quality Liverpool have got. I'm actually going to go 2-0 Liverpool, I'm afraid. That's what my head is telling me. Um, interesting piece in the Daily Echo this week. Um, raising the question of Daniel Sturridge and... Could he be the missing link that Bournemouth needs? And it was a pretty well-written piece, actually, just debating about how far the club has come since the signing of Jack Wilshire. Uh, in the piece, it says that that answers the fact that can Eddie work with big players? For me, I don't think you can judge it on one, and it seems like Jack's got a great attitude which has suited us. So if Eddie was to go to another big club where you've got some interesting other characters, I don't know, I think jury's still out. But it was just making a good point that you've got a player like Sturridge who's been in and out of the Liverpool side. Maybe he could either the South Coast, see what's happened with Jack. Could he be a player that signed for us? It's not a ridiculous proposition anymore. So that was quite an interesting point. And I've often thought that about Sturridge. It's like, oh yeah, he'd do all right with us. But um Hopefully he um, won't do all right against us. Hi, I'm Jimmy Glass, and this is Back of the Net. So that just about wraps up another episode of Back of the Net. But before we go, Sean, I want to talk about Do You Remember? Because Rob Frank did that season thing. And you know what? I've got a theory with this, because when I was young... I was about 12 or 13, and I remember going to the Hamworthy Club with them regularly, and I remember seeing some blonde mop sat at the other side of the place in Magna Road, and it was A.D. Pennock sat down having a coffee. And I don't know how long he played for us, was it? Maybe a couple of years or whatever, but I'm thinking, I'm going to predict this now, I'm thinking it was like 93 or 90, I'm going to say 93, 94. Hopefully I'm not completely wrong, but what, what were your thoughts? You are very close, Sam Davis. No way. It, it was it was quite hard because we always did finish pretty much seventeenth. It was yeah. Tony Pulis was the manager. Yeah. 
I'm just going to say it was the dark days of our football, man. We played some awful <laughs> stuff around that time. 92-93 season. Oh, man. How annoying. So how annoying. close. But did you get it, though? Did you get it? Yeah. Of course you did. Of course you did. Oh, I hate you, Mr. Barker. One thing I don't hate is all the subscribers that's uh, been subscribing on YouTube. Thank you very much for getting involved, everyone. After every game, I'm doing a video, usually about 10 minutes long, although I went overboard at the weekend with a 20-minute special. But, yeah, if you go to youtube.com slash podcast. My beautiful face will be appearing, given a knee-jerk reaction of the game, and we'd really like you to subscribe because there's an Eddie Had a Dream t-shirt in it as well. After every game, it's usually about two or three hours. I'll give you some unadulterated views from me and also people on Twitter and the forums as well. And some of that will form part of the podcast that myself and Mr. Barker do on Tuesday and Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, please do get involved. That's youtube.com slash AFCB podcast. Yeah, good work on those vids, Sam. And, um, yeah, if we get an evening game, then that'll be my morning, so then I can give you my knee-jerk reaction but for, for now yep it's just sammy sammy davis he is the host of the back of the net <laughs> youtube channel yeah yeah now coming up potentially next week we will have another giveaway so we've given away the ted mcdougall book which is still available in all good bookshops uh we gave away the fifa 17 game thanks to ea sports and coming up hopefully next week Thanks to our friends at Sports Interactive, we have a copy of Football Manager 2017 to give away. It's for the Mac or the PC and um, very excited. So I'm going to uh, be playing a little bit of the game and uh, yeah, we'll do a little bit of a review of it and we'll give it away hopefully next week. So stay tuned for that. Now, if you're a company and you'd like to get involved with Back of the Net, we would love to hear from you as we are seeking sponsors this season for our podcasts. As you know, Back of the Net is free to download. It's produced from the goodness of Sean and my hearts each and every week during the season. We're on we're on episode 27 at the moment. We're going to we're going to beard until episode 227, but we've got to pay for equipment, hosting phone calls, recording software licenses. Sean's going to be spending a couple of hours putting this together after the show, splicing my rubbish audio and making it sound extra special. So it takes a lot of time. If you've heard our program before, we'd like to think that the quality in production is pretty, pretty good, and it could be a suitable companion for your brand too. The sponsorship's on air and it's online. You can download a PDF on our website, which provides more information about our show and our rates. And also, um, we get a, a fair few listeners as well, eh? It's in its thousands, and each show has been downloaded so many times. We're, we're sort of running out of bandwidth a little bit. But yeah, do check it out, and it's afcbpodcast.com forward slash sponsor dash the dash show but what i'll do just for you i'll make an easy link afcbpodcast.com slash sponsor that will take you there and uh, we'd love to have you involved and have you associated with back of the net yeah and thanks to all those that have donated via the donate link we really do appreciate your financial support to help keep the show running and also those that have purchased their eddie had a dream t-shirt that really helps us too and uh I think Robert Murphy's going to be wearing it uh, at the Burnley away game, I think. And uh, there was a great tweet, um, and I'm really sorry, I can't remember who it was, but during the Arsenal game, I think when Afobe just came on, they put a tweet saying, here we go, Afobe's going to score the winning goal, and then he's going to run over to the stands where he's going to look up at Jack Wilshire, who's going to rip off his jacket to reveal a back-of-the-net Eddie had a dream T-shirt, <laughs> which would have been glorious. And I'd still like to think that Jack did have that T-shirt on underneath for such moments. But uh, yeah, thank you anyone to, who has helped us out. So this weekend, it is at Dean Court. Definitely, there are no corrections needed this week on the show. It's live on TV again. Our boys going up against the Reds. Come on, the Cherries. Let's hope we can pick up three points in that one. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Let's go.
it's Callum Wilson. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.